0: This episode is sponsored in part by Sleep Number. We all know I'm big on the importance of quality sleep for well-being, and I'm always tracking my own sleep to prove it. This is where the Sleep Number smart bed comes into play. It customizes to your unique sleep needs and adapts as those needs change over time, making it more than just a bed. It's a tool for achieving your sleep goals. Customize the firmness on each side. I like it firm, baby. And if you're someone who tosses and turns, it automatically adjusts to keep you comfy. This bed also learns your sleep habits and offers personalized tips for even better rest. It's not just about how long you sleep. This bed even tracks the quality of your sleep. So if you're considering a sleep upgrade this year, the Sleep Number Smart Bed is more than just a new mattress. It's a complete system that adapts to you, offering sleep tracking and lifestyle tips, truly changing the way. Way you feel every day. JD Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $15.99, save 300 dollars only for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored in part by Fidelity. I love what I do. I also love the idea of not doing it one day, but it's getting harder to know the best way to move into the future towards retirement. Don't worry, I've got like a decade and change left unless people stop listening to podcasts. We hear about inflation, rate hikes, the changing markets, got to get the kids through college, build an emergency fund, and then there's retirement. And here's where Fidelity comes in. Fidelity can help you find clarity in saving for the future, even as your path and priorities evolve. How? Well, they'll help you create a free personalized plan that adapts as your priorities change. They'll also show you what's called timely insights, small tips on ways to save and invest and help meet your goals and you can monitor your plan so you stay on target. The future's coming, and so is retirement. Fidelity can help you take it on your way. Learn more at fidelity.com slash future. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the show. I'm Jordan Harbinger. As always, I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. On the Jordan Harbinger show, we decode the stories, secrets, and skills of the world's most brilliant and interesting people and turn their wisdom into practical advice that you can use to impact your own life and those around you. We want to help you see the matrix when it comes to how these amazing people think and behave. We want you to become a better thinker. If you're new to the show, we've got episodes with spies and CEOs, athletes and authors, thinkers and performers, as well as toolboxes for skills like negotiation, public speaking, body language, persuasion, and more. So if you're smart and you like to learn and improve, then you'll be right at home here with us. Today, counterfeiting. It goes back thousands of years. We've discovered fake wine or olive oil jar seals and shipwrecks at the bottom of the sea designed to hide the source or quality of the wine or the olive oil. For me, I don't give a crap if a jacket or shoes from a designer are fake. On the other hand, the seller is committing fraud against consumers and the brands. But worse, they're contributing to an organized crime network that breeds corruption and potentially traffics other things like drugs and even people. Creating smuggling networks is bad inherently because, as we'll learn today, they can be used for other things, not just shoes, but humans, drugs, weapons, and more. Today, we're speaking with Chris Buckner. If you've watched Broken on Netflix, as per our previous recommendation, and you saw the makeup episode, you get a taste of what he does, but it's not just makeup. He's a counterfeit investigator who works with police to intercept tens of millions of dollars in counterfeit goods and trace them back to their roots in organized crime. Talk about a fascinating line of work. Today, we do a deep dive into the shady world of counterfeit goods, illicit drugs, and even medical treatments that can harm or kill the people that use them. A fascinating subject, and as a little bonus, you'll see on our YouTube channel at jordanharbinger.com YouTube, we did a walkthrough of Chris's Warehouse where we do a little show and tell and get a glimpse of a world that most of us never get to see. If you want to know how I find guests like this, it's always, always through my network, and I'm teaching you how to create a network for your own personal or business purposes. That's our course, Six Minute Networking. It's a free course. It'll always be a free course, and that's at jordanharbinger.com slash course. By the way, most of the guests on the show they subscribe to the course and the newsletter. So come join us. You'll be in great company. Here we go with Chris Buckner. First of all, what kind of counterfeit goods are there? Because I'm looking around and I see handbags, but I also see things like medication and there's electronics down here that we yeah. looked at. I mean, what, this is a little bit more comprehensive than I thought.
1: I mean, anything and everything is counterfeit from automobile parts, cancer medication, alcohol you know, kids, cough syrup. I mean, anything and everything, anything that somebody can fake to make money, they're going to do it.
0: Yeah. It's scary to see the makeup and the vape stuff because you're putting that in your body. The drugs are the scariest by far. And I think it's really disgusting to see, and we'll get into why that is and how people run those businesses. But everyday items are some of the most copied, which actually makes sense, right? If you're using Tylenol or whatever it is every day, you can make more because you're selling more. People buy a handbag a few times a year at most.
1: Exactly. No, you're you're spot on with that. Do you have any idea what
0: kind of percentage of everyday items are counterfeit or or let's say car parts is what? Like five percent, one percent? Do you have any idea?
1: Yeah, it's hard to break it down by percentages by commodity, but it's estimated that ten percent of the goods in the global marketplace are counterfeit. But if we're just looking at like let's say pharmaceuticals for instance, on all of our raids we'd estimate that anywhere from eight to ten percent of the items seized are actually counterfeit.
0: Meaning 8 to 10% of the items are counterfeit when you seize them?
1: Yeah, 8 to 10% of the pharmaceuticals are counterfeit.
0: And the rest are the real thing?
1: Yeah, so everything else is is generally illicit. So it's drugs that are made to be sold outside the United States generally.
0: Oh, so non-FDA approved type stuff.
1: 100%.
0: Oh, weird. Okay. Some of the stuff we looked at in our walkthrough, and by the way, if you're listening to this right now, if you go to our YouTube channel, jordanharbinger.com slash YouTube, there's a lot of B-roll, there's a, a lot of walkthroughs of the warehouse that we're sitting in right now with how many millions of dollars worth of
1: stuff is back there? <laughs> it's tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. In pharmaceuticals, tobacco, shoes, you name it, we've got it here.
0: Yeah, I mean, pill pressing machines, fake airbags. I mean, this stuff is not just clothing and fashion. What do you think is the most surprising item you've seen counterfeited? Airbags for me was a surprise, but you've got to see some some
1: stuff. You know, I don't know about surprising. I mean, really the most egregious thing is, you know, counterfeit cancer meds, where people who are dying of cancer and need this valuable medication are getting placebos. I mean, cancer meds that have no active pharmaceutical ingredients, so that's the most egregious thing. Surprising thing, nothing surprises me anymore. So if somebody's going to pay a dollar for something, they're going to counterfeit it. There's really nothing that surprises me anymore. I mean,
0: even downstairs, before we started... I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I walk in (laughs) and there's a, I don't know, Chanel, well, air quotes, Chanel rug on the floor. And I'm thinking, this was definitely a trophy that you grabbed from some guy's
1: other guy's bathroom. These guys are making rugs, furniture, toilet paper holders, marijuana containers. I mean, anything and everything that they could throw a brand name on, they're going to throw the brand name on it to make money.
0: You got to wonder about the supply chain for this kind of thing, too. I mean, it has to be almost as advanced as the real deal.
1: I would tell you that counterfeiters in certain circumstances are much more strategic and much more organized than some of the up-and-coming brands. These guys are super sophisticated.
0: When we look at household chemicals and things like that, I mean, I'm looking around and uh, can I mention some of the brands that we've seen counterfeited or not?
1: You can mention whatever Uh, you want. I can't.
0: You can. Got it. (laughs) So there's a a popular brand of detergent. Well, there's a popular brand of pretty much everything in here, if that's fake. But we're downstairs and I'm looking at industrial size buckets full of, let's say, Tide detergent and with foreign language markings on it and stuff that you wouldn't find at a regular grocery store. Why are they making that though? Like, what can the margin be on fake detergent? Why not stick with high-end luxury
1: items? You know what, what's scary is if it costs them a dollar to make that counterfeit detergent, how much do you think that bucket's being sold for? Oh, sure. Those buckets were being sold for 30 bucks. So that's $29 cash in their pocket because you got to remember counterfeiters don't pay their taxes. You know, they're not paying their employees, workers, workers, compensation, insurance, things like that. So it's a huge profit margin. These guys make, you know, 10 times more than legitimate businesses because they don't pay taxes, they don't contribute to the legitimate economy whatsoever. And the cost for making counterfeits is minimal. I mean, you gotta look at the conditions and where these counterfeits are made. Generally in source countries, child labor, human trafficking involved. There's a lot of things that people don't understand about it, Jordan. Why do we care if we get fake
0: makeup? Who cares? You know, I'm got a 13-year-old daughter. She doesn't need high-end $250 eyeliner kits. Why not just get fake stuff? They're going to use it for a couple months, throw it away, lose it. Their friend's going to take it to school and drop it in the garbage, whatever. Who cares?
1: You know, the bummer is a lot of people kind of think like that. But yeah. when you look at cosmetics or pharmaceutical, this is something you're putting on or in your body. So you want to make sure that's passed safety regulation testing and that it's safer, you know, somebody to consume or to place on their body. I mean, we found human feces, rat feces, and carcinogens in some of the counterfeit makeup. And there's been uh, recent news reports where there's uh, been counterfeit Ponds face lightning cream that contained mercury. I mean, it's really, really scary. I mean, people can actually die or really get harmed over this stuff.
0: On the, the Netflix special Broken, where I first encountered your line of work, there was a, a young girl who talked about buying, I don't know, fake Kylie Jenner makeup or something, and it had super glue in it. She ended yep. up gluing her lips together and uh, having some serious scarring as a result? I
1: think you got to really look at things. I mean, counterfeiters don't care about your health, safety, or well-being. The one thing they care about, Jordan, is making money. So they're going to make that item as cheap as possible. They don't care if it's contaminated. As long as you will buy it and they get your money, that's all they really care about. And if you surf around YouTube, you'll find hundreds of videos of people that will talk about putting counterfeit makeup on their faces and then breaking out, getting pink eye are having other serious situations occur.
0: I got to ask, like, why the pee? Why the feces? I know they don't care, but wh- how does that even get in there? Like, oh, I need a gla- I need a eight <laughs> ounces of water and there's nothing around. Let me take a leak in here.
1: That's pretty much it because you got to look at the conditions, these countries, this source country, where the stuff is made. They don't care if the stuff's going to get contaminated. So if they've got pigs running around in their little factory where they're putting together their counterfeit makeup, they don't really care. They're just going to package it up. They have no care or concern for the end consumer. So some of these, quote unquote, good deals are not good deals. I mean, you're you're consuming this stuff or putting on your body at extreme risk to yourself.
0: Even the counterfeit stuffed animals where I thought, okay, well, here's something that's probably harmless. Maybe a kid could choke on a piece of it if it's not made well, but like generally it's going to be fine. And you said, yeah, we've found these things stuffed with, what was it?
1: Dirty diapers? Dirty diapers. Dirty diapers. With human feces inside. Again, they don't really care how they manufacture these items as long as they're making their money. There is no care or concern. And I think the, the bummer is the common perception. Oh, it's poor people just trying to get by or trying to make a living. It's really not the case. I mean, this stuff's tied to organized crime, criminal cartels. I mean, there's a whole big picture behind this stuff.
0: Yeah. I want to get into that in a little bit as well. I mean, it's, I just want to highlight the fact that there's things like fake toothpaste that have brick dust urine, industrial chemicals. And that's not just, okay, fine, it's some sort of like hair gel. This is toothpaste. You're brushing your teeth with brick dust if you're lucky. That's all that's in there.
1: You know what? Exactly. You're lucky if that's all that's in there. Again, these guys don't care what they put in these items as long as they're making money from you.
0: A lot of people are thinking, look, this doesn't matter. You sort of mentioned this before. It's a victimless crime. It's only hurting Louis Vuitton or whoever. So these guys have millions and millions of dollars. There's a Gucci wallet sitting here. It's fake. Who cares? This is a multi-million dollar brand. The, the other argument is, look, people who are buying a $2 knockoff, they're not even on the market for the $300 real deal, so it's not even poaching sales from the actual company.
1: Yeah, I mean... Look, some of that could be true, right? But if it diminishes the value of the actual trademark itself. But again, when you're buying a luxury good, it's a different argument than if you're buying pharmaceuticals, right? Generally, if somebody you're buying a counterfeit luxury good, these people will probably tell you that it's a counterfeit. But when you're buying these counterfeit cancer meds and these other items, they're not telling you it's counterfeit. You're not making, the patient's not making a conscious choice. The other thing is I would look at it's not so much the companies that are suffering, though they are suffering huge losses. Look at our economy. These cannabis do not pay back into the legitimate economy. Thus, less jobs, less tax revenue, less money for school, less money for police. And then not even talking about where this funding is actually really going. So it's not just about the companies losing money. It's what is the overall negative impact to our communities?
0: It is lucrative to sell counterfeit goods, obviously, or people wouldn't do it. How does it then tie into organized crime? I mean, it seems like, okay, fine, they've got to have somebody who's selling them this But if if we're looking at at that as the organized crime, I'm thinking, all right, fine. So some guy ships in a container of fake belts, and they distribute it to a bunch of people selling stuff in Santee Alley in LA. Who, Who cares? Obviously, organized crime doesn't just stick to one vertical, I guess.
1: You know, so I've been doing this since 1995. And I can tell you that terrorist organizations are doing this. Hezbollah is one of the number one terrorist organizations that actually utilizes the sales of counterfeit goods to raise money for their causes. The sales of counterfeit goods is actually listed in Al-Qaeda's training manual on a quick and easy way to raise revenue for operational purposes. You've got the drug cartels that are involved. I mean, any and every criminal organization, they're now involved in this stuff because why? Who's really seeing any significant jail sentences from the sales of counterfeit goods? It's a crime that's completely worth doing for them where they can make huge amounts of money. And then let's look at the human impact. Where are these goods made? Child labor is involved. There's a whole big picture behind the scenes that people don't really understand. I think if people knew that this money was going to the MS-13 gang, they would make a a different choice in buying those counterfeit goods.
0: We'll talk about the child labor thing in a second, because that is kind of heartbreaking in many, many ways. People don't really think, wow, I could be selling cocaine. No thanks. I got a kilo of this. I might make several hundred thousand dollars, but then I can go to prison for 20 years. Or I can sell a truckload of fake handbags, maybe get probation. Or a couple of weeks or months of jail time or a fine or something like that. But that's a similar or the same amount of revenue.
1: You're exactly spot on. Do you know how much money I can make if I bring in a container of counterfeit goods and, and sell those handbags?
0: I don't know. How many handbags are in a container? You, I you don't know. Thousands. Down. But really?
1: you, you make about a million bucks. After you pay oh, all wow. your guys, you can make a million dollars for every container that you bring into the country. And if that person gets caught with that container, if they have no prior criminal history, they're gonna get probation. So again, it's a crime that's worth doing. However, if I sell a million dollars worth of cocaine, what's going to happen to me? Yeah, you're going to the slammer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this th- it's a crime worth doing. It's a smart crime to be involved with because as we decriminalize all these different crimes, right, again, who's seen any significant jail time for selling counterfeit goods?
0: Why are the penalties so low? Is it because we, as an electorate or if we're in Congress, we don't really think about the ramifications of all this and we just look at the the end result like, hey, it's illegal. You're diluting a trademark. <laughs> Stop doing that.
1: Well- The reason is why I'm talking to you today. I mean, the the education has to get out there. People have to understand what the true economic and human impact of counterfeiting really is. I think unfortunately, people just think like it's luxury goods companies selling their product for too much money anyway. Who really cares? But your same guy that's selling counterfeit luxury goods is selling counterfeit pharmaceuticals. These are criminal organizations that are engaged in this, and we've got to get the education and awareness out there. We've got to protect I mean, what makes America so great is our economy, right? That's We're the number one economy. That's what makes us so great. And we have to protect the companies and the U.S. economy.
0: We were looking before during the walkthrough, and again, on our YouTube channel, you can see we're looking at these fake airbags or whatever, and there's like metal stamp logos that are not properly affixed to the steering wheel. So you go get your car repaired, and they replace the airbag because, I don't know, your brother drove it into a parking pole or a parking <laughs> meter, and the original one blew this thing becomes a explosive metal projectile that your kids driving in yeah. front of
1: yeah. to school yeah so I, I you know my kids are all driving age right so could you imagine that if my kid died from uh, me installing a counterfeit airbag cover in my car cuz i wanted to save a couple bucks mm-hmm. and took it to some shady little shop but that's what people are doing and when you're trying to get deals that are too good to be true and you're dealing with shady people you're putting yourself and your family at risk
0: who even knows that these are fake? Like if I go to the mechanic and I say, hey, I need a replacement airbag, does he even know this is fake? Who knowingly does this? Where do we sort of have the line of ignorance where people just don't have a clue?
1: Well, greedy, shady people know, right? So Mm -hmm. if I'm an automotive repair shop, I know where to go to get legitimate parts. A lot of these guys will turn a blind eye. They'll say, hey, I'll buy the counterfeits or I'll intermix this stuff. I don't care because I'm going to make a few extra bucks. Who am I really hurting? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, greed takes over in this crime. It's all about the money. And the amount of money these guys make, and I've already said it multiple times, is astronomical. You will you will see law enforcement do seizures where they're pulling $3 cash out of someone's house. right, wow. And that's all the proceeds from counterfeit goods. Whereas the general public thinks, oh, it's poor people just trying to get by, trying to make a living. I'm not saying that everybody's making millions. I'm not saying everybody's trying to organize crime. But somewhere down the chain, a criminal organization is involved in that counterfeit item. Somewhere down the chain.
0: Yeah. So the, the grandma who's selling fake Legos might not be tied to MS-13, but the person who sold her the Legos or the person who sold the Legos to that distributor is certainly tied to some big fish down the line.
1: Yeah, or that factory in China that employed those 12-year-old kids, making them work 16 hours a day to produce those Legos, right?
0: Yeah, you don't think about that. Yeah,
1: you don't really look at at kind of that big picture and the whole network and the whole supply chain. you got to look at every aspect of the supply chain. I mean, we've had people involved in trafficking humans, young ladies from Asia, bringing them here in the U.S., making them work in prostitution and also dealing in counterfeit goods. I mean, and what people don't understand, counterfeit's tied to so many other crimes. We've had crimes involving sales of narcotics, weapons, murder, all these things tied back in to counterfeit goods also.
0: Wow. So that's terrifying. And I think most people are completely ignorant of that. We're just looking at the abuela selling the Gucci belt and we're like, oh, I'm glad to support somebody who's trying to make a living and I'm getting something I would never buy at the store because I couldn't afford it. So we almost think of it as a win-win, except for, oh, sorry, Louis Vuitton, you're out a few hundred bucks, but I was never going to give you my money anyway. I can't afford to.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping by talking with you and, and getting the word out there that people just kind of really start understanding what the true impact really is. You know, that person selling that stuff may not be that bad person, but who did they buy it from, right? What gang member assistants smuggling that in? So along with smuggling in those counterfeit handbags, they're also smuggling in weapons or drugs into our country, right? It's not just one aspect of counterfeiting.
0: huh. yeah. So more nefarious, and we mentioned this before, are the fake pharmaceuticals, the fake drugs. This stuff is really, really scary. And we saw some of the end results, some of the component parts when we did our walkthrough yeah. earlier. But, and this isn't just fake Viagra. I think a lot of people <laughs> are thinking, oh yeah, I've seen those ads, I've gotten that spam. But these yeah. are real prescription drugs for things like freaking cancer. Yeah. And how pervasive is that though? Like what idea do you have? I looked at this online. And France TV, France 24, said something like one out of five prescription drugs was fake in their investigation. That seems like way too much, but what do I know?
1: Yeah, it seems a little high to me too, but I mean, it's a huge problem. And so my mom died of cancer, right? My my twin boys were probably three months old when she died and she died of cancer. And so it's really egregious to see that people are out there selling counterfeit cancer medication that has no therapeutic value whatsoever for the patient. There's no active pharmaceutical ingredient in there. And these people know that, Jordan, so they're making that conscious choice to put that out there. And the problem is, it's the perfect crime, right? So what happens if I'm getting a counterfeit cancer med? I end up dying. How did I die?
0: Yeah, no one's going to investigate No one's going to
1: know. The coroner's going to say, no autopsy, died of cancer. So it's a freaking perfect crime for these guys to do. And you're right, it's not just the erectile dysfunction drugs. Let's talk about Xanax and Oxy, and you look at all the recent deaths of very famous people, died because these counterfeits were laced with fentanyl. And that's another thing people don't want to talk about. They just think, oh, it's it's just an overdose. Well, a lot of that is tied to counterfeits, right? Counterfeits laced with fentanyl.
0: I guess they can't even really find the source. I mean, what are you going to do? Say, this person died of an overdose? Oh, well, of what? Fentanyl. Great. So he took 17 pills in the last few days, or the last day. Where did he get them? We don't know. He was in New York City. He could have got them three hours before he croaked, right? There's no... Way you can ever trace it.
1: No, I mean, at, at times law enforcement's been successful getting it back to the source, but I mean, the flow, because the cartels are now involved in this stuff, the flow, it's, it's just continuing to flood in. And unfortunately, it's not just, and the common perception is, oh, it's just these drug addicts that are overdosing. It's not just this, folks. Uh, there's a story of Carrie Luther's son, Tosh, really good kid. He had been unable to sleep because he had hives for about a week. He ends up getting a Xanax from a friend, just took a quarter of the tab, and he died because it was late. It was kind of was laced with fentanyl. This was a good kid not a drug addict, who took his annex so he could freaking sleep, Jordan, and he ended up dying.
2: You're listening to The Jordan Harbinger Show with our guest, Chris Buckner. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening and supporting the show. And to learn more and get links to all the great discounts you just heard from our amazing sponsors, visit jordanharbinger.com deals. Don't forget, we have a worksheet for today's episode, so you can make sure you solidify your understanding of the key takeaways from Chris Buckner. That link is in the show notes at jordanharbinger.com slash podcast. If you'd like some tips on how to subscribe to the show, just go to jordanharbinger.com slash subscribe. Subscribing to the show is absolutely free. It just means that you get all the latest episodes downloaded automatically to your podcast player so you don't miss a single thing. And now back to our show with Chris Buckner. Even personally,
0: I've called friends at late at night and gone, hey, man, I've got a wicked headache. I just ran out of Tylenol do you have anything? And I'll go to my neighbor's house or my buddy's house. And he's like, yeah, I've got some Xanax, you know, just take this. And I'm thinking, great. How convenient.
1: Yeah. But Jordan, you've got to think about where did he get that? Yeah, Xanax? I know. He bought it, it from it a friend. counterfeit, right? Of course it is. Yeah. And so that's something you, you, you know, people got to really understand what the potential human impact is. And when you hear Carrie Luther's story about her son, it is just so tragic because it hits so close to home. And that could be you, that could be your wife, that could be your friend. Right so people need to stop abusing these things but also get them from a legitimate pharmacy if you're going to take these items get them from a legitimate pharmacy
0: I think a lot of people are going look I don't buy pharmaceuticals off the street <laughs> off some woman pushing a cart just like I don't buy those hot dogs that somebody has outside the <laughs> the Chinese theater in Hollywood I'm not buying those either so this isn't going to affect me but I'm looking at these news reports and I looked at your white paper they're finding some of these fake drugs inside pharmacies, especially in the United Kingdom and in Europe.
1: How? It boils back down to the greed, Jordan. It all boils back down to the greed. There was a counterfeit cancer medication that got into our legitimate supply chain in the US probably about five or six years ago. And it was because doctors got a fax blast offering them cheap cancer meds at a very low price. And they ended up buying it and distributing it out to their patients. And they know they shouldn't be doing that. They can only sell pharmaceuticals that are marketed for the U.S. But this was, I think, Turkish or something like mm-hmm. that. But they didn't care because they could make more money and they could bill back the insurance companies more money for these illicit yes. pharmaceuticals.
0: So the, it's not the pharmacy being duped. The pharmacy just says, screw it, what could go wrong? We're going to sell these and we don't care. Or we don't know.
1: Like what I would tell you is, unfortunately, there are good people and there are bad people. And those bad people, especially when you're dealing with pharmaceuticals, don't care because they're falling they're falling for the greed, Jordan. And that's what's really sad, right? And I'm not trying to make a huge difference between handbags and pharmaceuticals, but pharmaceuticals is at another level. People are depending on these products to get healthy and well. So it takes a really different kind of person to sell counterfeit pharma.
0: Yeah. These are kind of your sociopathic people who are completely okay, essentially murdering somebody who's relying on them for help because they just don't care.
1: Jordan, they don't care because they're putting money in their pocket. They don't care at what cost. As long as they have money in their pocket, they're driving their Mercedes, they're high rolling, posting their photos on Instagram as somebody special. (laughs) They don't freaking care. Who's making this stuff? Who's not making it? It's a big problem. I mean, you saw the pill press downstairs. So we have some homegrown presses and they're pressing a lot of the ED stuff here, kind of Xanax, Oxy, things like that are homegrown here. But China is a major source country for illicit pharmaceuticals. India's a source country. Turkey. El Salvador has a huge problem with the illicit pharmaceuticals and all that stuff down in El Salvador is you know, controlled by MS-13 and 18th Street.
0: So gangs that would be selling cocaine, marijuana, other drugs are just saying, what the hell are we doing this for? We already have a smuggling network let's run this stuff up north too.
1: You just talked about the hot dog vendor right in front of the the theater. What's a cop going to do if he's driving by and he's got a little cart selling antibiotics and some basic stuff? He's going to keep
0: driving. He's got other things to do.
1: That's right. He's going to keep driving. However, if he sees a hand-to-hand for crack cocaine or meth or ecstasy, he's going to stop doing arrest. And that's unfortunately what these guys capitalize on. These MS-13 gang members know that there is not an emphasis on illicit pharmaceuticals. So they can sit here and they can make these pharmaceuticals, smuggle them into the U.S., and then distribute them throughout the Western United States.
0: Yeah, that's really scary. Because you're if you think, well, I only buy things from certified wherevers, or I only get name brand stuff, what happens when you go to your friend's house and his grandma brought her headache medicine and left it in the cabinet? I mean, we've all done this. Or you go to a foreign country like Mexico and you need a headache medication, so you just go to the local pharmacy and grab it. You don't know what you're putting in your body, and that's really scary.
1: No, it is really scary. But that's one great thing about our country, right? We're so heavily regulated, our supply chain, and we still have issues. But we have to protect our patients, and that's what's really important about having good, solid laws and supporting our enforcement officials to go after these types of crimes, because at the end of the day, it, it is actually saving lives.
0: When brands talk publicly about counterfeiting, and I was looking on YouTube, I was trying to do research, there's this customs agent, and he's like, "Where's this stuff coming from And these guys were just like, "Ooh," and they were all kind of looking at the ground and looking at their watch and looking at each other. Why don't they mention China? Why don't they just say, "Hey, this stuff comes from China?"
1: Well, I think China's taking us over one container at a time, right right? I mean, the u s. is so dependent upon China. You know we really need to smack China around a little bit and, and get them to take intellectual property enforcement a lot more seriously. But I think it's a touchy political thing because again, We depend so heavily on China, but we gotta pressure them to make sure that they're cracking down on the counterfeits.
0: Yeah, it seems like if we're dependent on China for the workers, for the materials, for the supply, I've got my Adidas factory in Shenzhen or wherever they're making, or wherever in China they're making this stuff. I can't then shout from the rooftops, China's doing this because they can shut down my legitimate business operation. And so, you're holding a wolf by the ears. If you blame the enforcement or lack thereof in China for this, then they can shut down your legitimate business operations as well, or just make your life harder.
1: You're 100% percent accurate. That seems like a big problem
0: because that encourages counterfeiting from the same people or the same factories or the same suppliers that are supplying your legitimate business.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, China is a huge issue and it's a huge problem. It's going to not only take the brands you know, supporting our government, it's going to really take our government cracking down on them to make a difference. China can do it when they want to do it. What happened when the Olympics were in China? They cracked down on all the counterfeit for that period of time while the Olympics were in town, right? So it can be done, but it's going to take that political pressure. But again, how do you stop counterfeiting? The consumers need to stop buying counterfeit. That's the number one key to solving this crime. When there is you know, a demand, there's going to be a supply. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, just like drugs or anything else. 100%. What was really disgusting is I'm looking this stuff up online There's a guy making fake eggs out of chemicals. Have you seen this? Yes. That was by far one of the most disgusting things I ever saw.
1: Well, they make fake apples and other fake fruits. I mean, anything and everything that they could throw a label on or a sticker on and get more money for it, these guys are very ingenious, Jordan. They're going to do it if they can make money.
0: A fake egg makes me want to just projectile vomit all over this nice (laughs) warehouse full of counterfeit goods. It's just so vile watching this guy mix powders and like different soapy type coagulants.
1: Well, you have criminal organizations in those countries where they're actually getting real bottles of Coke and things that have been used and then refilling those bottles and selling them as new with basically dirty water. And if you look at media reports in the Ukraine and Russia with the counterfeit alcohol, problem. I mean, I forgot, it's hundreds of people that die on a yearly basis from consuming counterfeit alcohol in those countries.
0: That's made in some guy's bathtub and then put in, into a vodka bottle?
1: 100%. I mean, we're investigating a counterfeit injectable coming from El Salvador, right? And this is something that people are injecting into their bodies. And we find high levels of bacteria, salt, I mean, all sorts of contaminants. And this is someone Something that somebody's injecting into their body.
0: Gee, so you're bypassing all your body's natural defense mechanisms and getting rid of this stuff and just putting it straight into your
1: straight organs.
0: Straight in. Oof. Yeah, really scary. Really, really scary. How is this stuff getting into the country? How is it being smuggled in or is it even being smuggled in?
1: Yeah, so a majority of counterfeits are coming in or smuggled into the U.S. And the One thing you got to think about is 14,000 containers a day coming in the ports of L.A. and Long Beach alone. And what percentage of those containers do you think are physically checked.
0: I mean, how many, unless you have a thousand (laughs) customs agents opening them up and then what do you do? You're going to open up all the boxes. I just don't even see how you can even look in anything.
1: Look, one thing is customs and border protection. They do a great job with the resources that you have, but only 1% of those containers, right? Sea containers are actually checked. And then just think about the tens of thousands of mail parcels that are coming into our country on a daily basis. How can they physically check all those parcels? It's a daunting task. There's no way to stem the flow of this stuff unless, you know, we triple the size of uh, Customs and Border Protection, give them more resources. Even if you triple it?
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you're checking 3% of the containers?
1: Yeah, it's still not enough. And, and again, I think our government, CBP, does a really good job trying to do what they can do with their resources, But it's overwhelming. You have criminal networks who really do the math, right? So what they'll do, Jordan, is they'll put 10 sea containers on the water at the same time using 10 different cover stories. So what? Let's say 10% of those containers get seized. Those other nine still get into the country. Right. So that it's worth the risk. Even if they get a container seized, it's not even a problem.
0: Yeah, especially if you're not paying taxes. You've got slave labor back in your country creating the goods. It's just the cost of doing business. This is now a $3 fake Gucci wallet instead of a $2 fake Gucci wallet. And now we've covered the lost Container.
1: Yeah, and I think what the problem is everybody when you think about counter, you just think about the big brands who are already globally recognized. What about a small upstart brand who's just starting to make their mark in the marketplace, right? Just starting to become popular. If they become a victim of counterfeiting, that brand can be wiped out. I have seen brands wiped out overnight, small brands that can't compete.
0: Jeez, just because they get trending and instead of selling their own goods, it's just all counterfeit. The
1: counterfeiters take over. The counterfeiters, you know, set up, you know, a hundred different websites, they do search engine optimization direct all the internet traffic to these you know, illicit sites, and thus they kill the legitimate brand.
0: I saw an investigation from one of your homeboys at LAPD, Ishitani, and he was showing that they will send in, let's say, boots. And once you peel off the sole, then there's the counterfeit Timberland sole underneath. And then they just sell you this brand item, this sort of logo stamp. So the counterfeiter will then put that on the shoe after it's already been imported, peel the sole off and throw it in the garbage. And then you've got the counterfeit sort of hiding in plain sight.
1: Yeah, exactly. We we have found counterfeit handbags sewn inside a generic handbag. So when Customs Work section opens it up and looks inside the box, it looks like a generic handbag with no trademarks. But you cut open that handbag and then the counterfeit handbag is sewn inside. Jordan, this is organized crime. These guys are so sophisticated and organized that they'll take great steps to avoid being detected so they can smuggle their their goods into the country successfully.
0: There was a a toy that I saw someone disassemble online, and the idea behind the toy was they had ordered some fake, I don't know, Viagra or something from another country, (laughs) and this violin, this toy violin comes, and I guess they'd emailed him instructions, unscrew the back of the violin, so he does. And sure enough, all the pills are inside this violin, and you're just supposed to throw away this electronic plastic toy, which is environmental costs aside, impossible for someone to detect. Because even if they put the violin in an x-ray machine, then what? I mean, you have to put every toy violin that gets mailed to the United States through
1: an x-ray machine. It's never well, going to happen. Let me ask you, do you think drug cartels are very sophisticated in how they're smuggling in their narcotics into our country?
0: I have no idea. I mean, they have to be. Yeah.
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah, Counterfeiters are the exact same wage war. And these guys take the same steps to avoid detection by law enforcement that these cartels are doing. Same, Same thing. So they'll secrete these items and things that you know, won't be detected coming in. The only way you're catching those shipments is if you got a snitch, somebody telling you that this shipment's coming in, telling you what to look out for.
0: I want to highlight though, China is also a victim of this, not just a perpetrator. I think I do a lot of stuff that exposes this in China and that in China. And I I want to be really clear, China's suffering as much, I think, as we are or more, right? From fake drugs, counterfeit stuff. Yes, maybe they're producing this, but it's not like they're only selling it to us. They're selling it to their own people. And who's making it? Chinese kids in these factories Mm. in the middle of nowhere. A lot of this stuff is pretty heartbreaking. There was an expose, again, of course, online through my research where people who couldn't get jobs at, let's say, the legitimate Adidas Mm. factory are then going and getting a second-rate, half-paid job also in the middle of nowhere at the fake Adidas, the counterfeiter factory. And some of these investigators are finding out that these people are literally chained to the machines that they're making. I mean, what do we find from this? There was an investigator online, I think a guy that you also work with, who said he was about to do a raid with the police and he heard children's music and he thought, oh, wow, they have childcare for their workers. And then when they came in, they found a bunch of kids at sewing machines, handcuffed to the machines. That's what the children's music was because they were there all day. And he said the smell was unbearable because they weren't allowed to go to the bathroom.
1: Yeah. Or they have a bucket in the corner that they have to use to go to the bathroom. I mean, I think China is a victim also, but at the end of the day, you know, these counterfeit organizations will use whatever tactics, victimize whether it's going to be kids or anyone else, as long as they're making money. I'm not as familiar with the problems on the ground Mm -hmm. in China, but all I know is when consumers are buying these items, that's what causes this problem. Because even if the demand were not there, No one's going to take the time to produce these items. About
0: 190,000 people in China died from fake medicines. That's what they can trace. So they actually, a few years back, executed the top drug regulator in China because he was knowingly going along with this. He was corrupt. He was taking bribes and said, all right, I'm going to inspect this factory or that factory. 200,000 deaths. And that's what they could trace to the drugs. Who knows how many other people died because the drug wasn't doing anything for them.
1: But what also that tells you is that these guys don't care who they hurt or kill as long as they're making money. And how much money were those organizations making to kill those people and then pay that government official? Sure. It's millions of dollars that they could pay to bribe these people because it's worth it for them to do it.
0: Millions or tens of millions. Exactly. Shoot, I mean, you're not telling them exactly how many fake drugs you're making. You're just telling them to stay away from these certain factories. It seems a lot like the brand's, In China on the ground have given up trying to bust these places because of the level of corruption. I mean, there's one investigator who said that when he did a raid with the police, the police were pouring tea for the factory boss because they were all working together and they'd seen him 50 times that year Mm -hmm. going in and doing the fake bust and telling him, hey, you got to shut down. And of course, within days, he was back up and running because they're not really interested in stopping the problem.
1: That's one of the serious problems with China and some other countries. You know, you can't keep hitting these guys over and over again and the the penalties not be there. I'm not saying throw every single counterfeiter in jail for a long period of time, but at the end of the day, some type of deterrent needs to take effect. So if this guy's getting hit once, twice, three times, he should be going to jail. He should be serving significant jail time. I mean, there needs to be some type of action taken in those situations.
2: You're listening to The Jordan Harbinger Show with our guest, Chris Buckner. We'll be right back after this. Thank you for listening and supporting the show. Your support of our advertisers keeps us on the air. To learn more and get links to all the great discounts you just heard so you can check out those amazing sponsors, visit jordanharbinger.com slash deals. And don't forget that worksheet for today's episode. That link is in the show notes at jordanharbinger.com slash podcast. And now for the conclusion of our episode with Chris Buckner.
0: We mentioned cartels before as well. So great. They're not selling cocaine as much or they're not selling crack as much or they're not selling heroin as much. Is this in some ways a good thing? Is it less violent because it's not drugs or is it the same thing, different product?
1: Well, so I'm not an expert on the whole drug thing, but who says that they're not selling it as much, right? So at the end of the day, all I can tell you is I know counterfeiting, this is something they've now turned to both to launder their money and to make additional funds. This is something the cartel has recognized, the Sinaloa cartel especially. Hey, this is a way that we can raise a huge amount of money and avoid detection. They will sit here and they will come to the U.S., buy counterfeit goods, smuggle them back to Mexico, sell them in Mexico, and actually claim taxes to wash their money. These guys are super smart. They have a lot of criminal schemes involved in the counterfeit side of things. So I would say that this is something that is supplementing right? Their drug income. This is another branch of their business so they can become even more profitable and more powerful.
0: From your white paper, one thing that was really interesting for me was this online drug ads. A lot of this stuff's hiding in plain sight. It was a Craigslist ad that said, the book is called Addy and it's a study session. And I was like, okay, so Adderall for sale essentially on Craigslist. I think even the ad said, just being discreet here, call or text me for info. How the hell are we possibly going to combat something like that? I mean. You can't possibly police everything like this.
1: Yeah, I mean the fortunate thing what we really try to do is we have the brands that we represent. I mean, we're pretty, you know, geared up and educated with the terminologies and things to be looking for. So we're scouting for ads like that all the time and where appropriate, we funnel that information to law enforcement to take action on it. But these scammers are very sophisticated, so they'll use code words and things like that because a lot of the online platforms actually will take down postings if there's any illicit services or goods being offered. So they'll do that to avoid that. You mentioned terrorism
0: and national security. How does this stuff affect national security? Is it that there's money being funneled back to Africa, the Middle East, or is this actually exporting technology to these places as well?
1: Oh, everything that you just said. We've had cases involving counterfeit goods and a subject that was exporting prohibited military technologies to China and to other countries. There was also information that some of the technologies that he was exporting and the things he was exporting were ending up in IEDs in Iraq. Right. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so really scary. And we know that ISIS, ISIS is a little bit on the run, but a large amount of the proceeds that they're making are all from illicit cigarette trafficking. Hezbollah is involved in, in the counterfeit trade. The first documented terrorism case in the U.S. tied to counterfeit was based on uh, counterfeit cigarettes. Ali Karani was just recently convicted in December out of New York. He was an ESO for Hezbollah. He was selling counterfeit goods. If you look back at the uh, first attack in France, the Charlie Hebdo, Attack. There are published reports where the Karachi brothers were actually selling counterfeit goods.
0: So that's how they were making a living, living off the books in France.
1: Exactly. Well, the, the French officials were up on wiretaps on these guys. And when the talk went from jihad to just about their counterfeit operation, they dropped the wires on those guys. And oh, a short wow. time later, they did the attacks. So
0: this stuff is inextricably linked. It's not just. I think the fascinating thing is we don't. And we can't see the back end of this. So it's easy for us to rationalize the purchase. And that's, again, like to hammer that point home. That's the exact problem that we're dealing with.
1: Well, I think sometimes consumers, right? We have our, our little blinders on. We don't really want to see what's behind it. But we've got to start looking at that. Like you talked about, like that kid that was chained to the sewing machine in China, right? You've got to start looking at you have a choice, right? You have buying power. And when you're buying that item, you are contributing to that child labor. You're contributing to that terrorist organization. I mean, that is where the money is going, undoubtedly.
0: So what's being done to combat this? I mean, obviously, this is your entire business, but what are the police doing? Let's start there.
1: Well, I think you know, law enforcement has limited resources, right? But I think law enforcement is doing a great job combating this based on the resources that they have. I mean, the LAPD alone is probably doing raids five times a week all throughout the city related to counterfeit goods. LA County Sheriff's Department is very active, Homeland Security, CBP. There's a lot of entities that are combating this, but again, the problem is just so overwhelming they can only do so much with the resources that they have.:
0: Five days away. imagine we're just we're in LA. You have enough raids to do that you're busy every Monday through Friday, you are busting into someone's operation and taking the goods.
1: Well, I think everybody kind of trips out on our company a little bit until they come here. We have 22 full-time investigators that are only working on counterfeiting matters, right? So when you really look at that, what would facilitate such a need? The problem is just so huge.
0: So who hires you specifically?
1: So we're hired by the companies themselves. Our job is to go out there and investigate people who are selling, manufacturing, distributing counterfeit merchandise. Once we develop that information and that evidence, we then work with authorities to raid the locations and seize the counterfeit
0: goods. So you're hired by the brands to protect the trademark which is interesting because a lot of people might go, oh, well, of course you're all about economy because you're being hired by these big brands. But what's interesting to me is that the big brands in this case are pretty much the only people who have the resources to contribute to cause investigations of these supply chains. And that's where we're then finding, oh, child labor, oh, drug smuggling, oh, human trafficking, because these are all interwoven. So the cops might say, look, we can do this once a month. We're going to help out this brand because, sure, it's right in plain sight. But doing it five days a week is actually helping drive the progress of combating this and the associated crimes that come with it—the violence and the human trafficking, etc.
1: I couldn't have said it better, Jordan. You're, you're spot on. It's not just a part of that is to protect legitimate commerce, legitimate companies that are paying their taxes, contributing to you know our economy. But law enforcement understands that you know there are other crimes involved—the the human trafficking, the child labor, things like that. They get it. They understand. They understand that it's very important to protect our communities.
0: How do you bust these guys? I mean, if the police have limited resources, are you helping them investigate on top of this or are you You're not just here storing all the goods. I mean, we we saw some of the back end of this.
1: Yeah, so generally what we'll do is uh, you know, we'll go out and we'll do uh, investigative purchases from Target. So we'll identify who's selling or who's manufacturing those goods, right? We'll do a whole dossier, a whole workup, and then we present that information to law enforcement for their consideration. Law enforcement will then corroborate that information, make sure that it's legitimate, and then they will generally decide whether to go in and seize and, and do an arrest.
0: So how are you doing these controlled buys? Are you, you're walking up to a vendor with a giant hidden camera in your glasses? <laughs> I mean, what are you, what are you guys doing?
1: Well, I, I would tell you we're very, you know, we're, we're hitting the small vendors to the big criminal organizations, right? We'll go out and we, we act as consumers, right? We could just be somebody that's looking for a handbag for our, our girlfriend, or we could be somebody that's in the business buying wholesale. I mean, it's really no different than how undercover uh, law enforcement is going out and attacking the drug problem, right? You go out, you attack the street sales, but you also attack the cartels. So our undercovers have to go out there and pose as you know, consumers, our business partners of these people to get them to do business with us. And so we can get that evidence to present to law enforcement.
0: How much am I allowed to say about some of the stuff that we saw downstairs that's still in progress? You
1: can say whatever you want to say.
0: Okay. So- downstairs, there's a a couple of rooms that are set up to look like, I don't know, the office of somebody who's in the business of selling fake pharmaceuticals. Yeah. So you're online chatting with these people halfway across the world and essentially pretending to be somebody who's going to import a shipment of fake cancer drugs or whatever.
1: Yeah. I don't want to give away too many of our trade secrets, but you're absolutely right. I mean, we have undercover business locations. We have undercover websites. Our undercovers are backstop with undercover social media. We'll populate online the business directories because again, we've got to make people feel comfortable doing business with us. And it's been harder today in today's world of the internet, social media, and everything else to really get these guys to believe that we're a fellow bad guy and to do business with us. So we go to all the extremes that the bad guys go to, to set up our businesses.
0: Well, okay. So you're messing with the business of MS-13, 18th Street Gang, drug cartels, Mexican mafia, Chinese organized crime. You're not a little worried about that at all. I mean, does that not <laughs> keep you up at night sometimes?
1: Look, I, I don't worry about it. Am I a little bit concerned or is it, you know, something that's in the back of my head? Of course it is. But, you know, we believe in treating everybody with respect, whether it's the counterfeiter, the cop, the client, or anyone else. And it's nothing personal. Our jobs to go out there and catch them. Their jobs to get away with it. Some days we win. Some days they win. That's okay. It's nothing personal. You know, and I think by doing business with those guys that way, you know, if they get their good seeds, they get arrested, they know it's just a cost of doing business. But when you lie, you disrespect them, that could become a problem.
0: Ah, okay. So the key is just don't be a total a-hole about this whole thing. And... Look,
1: it's be professional, be ethical, do the right thing, and then you shouldn't have to worry about anything.
0: Interesting. I find it, the whole... uh code of honor so to speak is very interesting.
1: So there's a famous place in LA called Santiali where counterfeit goods are sold. So at times brand owners, uh, a lot of brand owners are based in New York. So I had brand owners wanting a tour of Santiali. So I were walking them through Santiali and guys were coming up, Hey Chris, how are you shaking my hand? And how are you? How's the family? How's this? Whatever. The brand owner asked me, well, who's that person? I go, Oh, that's, you know, this guy, he was arrested for selling counterfeit before. And they're like, why would you shake his hand? Why would you be nice to him? Mm -hmm. I said, You know, it's really important that you maintain the respect of the people that you work with, whether the brand owner or the counterfeiter. We treat everybody the same. And that's why we want to do business. It's nothing personal. It's just professional. We're doing our job.
0: Yeah, I guess at the end of the day, the person who's selling the stuff here on the ground in L.A. is maybe connected to but not the same person as the person chaining up child slaves in China.
1: Good point. I don't think I'd be shaking that dude's hand. Yeah, to that's, be honest with it's you, it's hard to compartmentalize. Hundred percent, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, I think that's a problem that China has to solve internally. No matter how effective you guys get here at investigative consultants, you're not really going to be on the ground in China anytime soon. I would imagine.
1: No, I mean, I think the U.S. Department of Justice is really trying to educate other countries. Uh, myself and some other government officials from the U.S. are actually traveling down to South America in a month, and we're actually going to be training government officials teaching them what best practices are here in the U.S., and hopefully they'll model you know, their intellectual property enforcement programs after what we're doing in the U.S.
0: What do you do with all these seized goods? I mean, there's tens of millions of dollars of goods down there, boxes stacked up like the Indiana Jones warehouse, just millions of dollars of stuff. There's pallets and pallets of, I don't know, makeup, pills, whatever it is over there.
1: Where does it go? So it just depends, like makeup, pills, pharmaceuticals, all that stuff has to be incinerated. Majority of other counterfeit goods, luxury goods, things like that also have to be destroyed. There have been times where we can actually donate some of the counterfeit goods to organizations like World Vision to be donated to Africa so they can be put to use.
0: That's kind of a relief. I mean, look, I get it. You got to destroy the handbags. But when you're looking at socks, it's just kind of a it's a damn shame.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. After Katrina happened, we had uh, multiple containers of counterfeit uh, blankets that we were able to donate to Katrina victims. When it's possible and when it's feasible, we try to donate that stuff back, but we have to make sure that that stuff doesn't end up back in commerce, but also doesn't pose a health and safety concern to somebody that may consume it or utilize that item. So it's, it's it's really, really a touchy subject. I'm thinking Uh, of these,
0: uh, the smallpox blankets from back, you know, hundreds of years ago. Look, I might be cold, but I don't want my baby wrapped up in a blanket that has feces, urine, or industrial chemicals instead of regular dye on it. And my kid's got it in his mouth because he's five months old. Like That stuff is terrifying. You have to test this stuff. You have to donate that stuff. Or you have to destroy that stuff. It's such a massive waste. Yeah. Economics is just a massive externality. Yeah. On the whole system. It's
1: a bummer, but it's something that we're trying to work through. But at the end of the day, you know, counterfeits are dangerous. So a lot of that stuff, it's better off being destroyed. So we're not putting the consumers, you know, at greater risk.
0: Is this a situation like the war on drugs where as long as there's demand, the problem can't actually be solved?
1: Unfortunately, I think it's very, very similar, but I'm, I'm very hopeful, right? I think doing things and talking to you and sitting down and educating people, you know, maybe we can make a difference. Look, the problem of counterfeiting is never going to go away, right? We just got to get to where it's manageable.
0: For those of you watching us, instead of just listening, why do I have a table full of marijuana in front of me right Well,
1: people are knocking off strains of weed also. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, you name it, counterfeit vapes, counterfeit weed strains, you name it, people are knocking it off.
0: I figured that uh, the Jack Daniels is real, but the weed is fake, and it's been here for a minute, you can tell.
1: Yeah, you can tell. It's a
0: little bit drunk. Yeah, (laughs) but it's just here for effect? Yeah, it's just here as a prop. Thanks so much for your
1: time. You got it. Thank you, Jordan.
0: Huge thank you to Chris for letting us pop by down to his highly secure warehouse, interrupt his whole day. If you watched the YouTube walkthrough of his warehouse and our little kind of wannabe vice news piece on there, you I mean, the scale of what is intercepted is incredible. These sting rooms and the amount and type of goods seized is just unbelievable. How about those airbags? And how about those cancer drugs? Just disgusting. People are dying because of this. Counterfeiters, they don't even care. Ugh, unbelievable. This was a great episode. I'm so glad I got a chance to do this. There's a video of the interview, of course, on our YouTube channel at jordanharbinger.com slash YouTube. It also includes our walkthrough, our mini little documentary. Also in the show notes, there are worksheets for each episode, so you can review what you've learned here from Chris Buckner. We've also got transcripts for each episode, and those can be found in the show notes as well. A few folks have said they have trouble finding the show notes. Tap the album art in your phone. That's not the show notes. It's an abbreviated version, but of course, that's uh, better than nothing. And you can find the actual show notes on our website at jordanharbinger.com. Also on our website is our networking course, Six Minute Networking, teaching you how to create and maintain relationships with great people using systems, using tiny habits. That's over at jordanharbinger.com slash course. Don't do it later, do it now. Dig the well before you get thirsty. The drills take a few minutes a day. If I'd known this stuff 20 years ago, well, I'd be broadcasting from my freaking yacht. It's not fluff, it's crucial. Find it all for free, jordanharbinger.com slash course. By the way, as I've said many times, most of the guests on the show, they subscribe to the course and the newsletter. Come join us. You'll be in smart company. In fact, why not reach out to Chris Buckner? Tell him you enjoyed this episode of the show. Show guests love hearing from you. You never know what might shake out of that. Speaking of building relationships, you can always reach out and or follow me on social. I'm at Jordan Harbinger on both Twitter and Instagram. This show was created in association with Podcast One, and this episode was produced by Jen Harbinger and Jason DeFilippo. Engineered by Jay Sanderson. Show notes and worksheets by Robert Fogarty. Music by Evan Viola. And I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. Our advice and opinions and those of our guests are their own. And yeah, I'm a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer. I'm sure as heck not a doctor, a therapist, or an undercover counterfeit investigator. So do your own research before implementing anything you hear on the show. I can barely hold my own life together sometimes, just like anyone else. Remember, we rise by lifting others. The fee for this show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting. That should be in every episode. If you know somebody that buys counterfeit stuff and thinks they're doing no harm, if you know somebody that buys fake medicine from the street because they think it's real and they're saving a bunch of money, share this with them, scare the crap out of them and maybe scare them into living a couple extra decades. Please share this show with those you love, even those you don't. In the meantime, do your best to apply what you hear on the show so you can live what you listen. And we'll see you next time. This episode is sponsored in part by Georgia Tech Scheller College of Business. Are you a go-getter woman aiming to level up your your career or considering a switch to a new industry and searching for the program to make those big career dreams a reality? Well, listen closely. The Georgia Tech Scheller College of Business full-time MBA program consistently ranks top 20 in the nation. Scheller's full-time MBA program is ranked number one among top business schools when comparing total tuition cost with average starting salary. Tuition is over 50% lower than other comparable ranked programs. The full-time MBA class of 2023 achieved a record-breaking average salary of $154,679, which is one, fantastic, and two, a 12.5% increase from the previous year. In addition to the affordable tuition, Scheller offers many full scholarships and fellowships for women. If you want to discover more about the program, attend one of their full-time MBA webinar information sessions, and when you attend an information session, you receive an application fee waiver. Go to gtmbawomen.com to learn more and see where a Scheller MBA will take you.